Well, I look forward to uh, our next head coach having a lot of success and, uh, and, and, and being with us for a long, long time. And uh, bringing a, uh, the kind of winning team to this community that we can all be proud of. And I look forward to that. Welcome back to Two Birds, One Stone, a podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to in betting on the NFL this holiday season. They've got same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options, and much, much more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can bet up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Get on in on the action for a wild card weekend. It's going to be a fun, fun-filled football weekend that won't include your Arizona Cardinals who finished their season 4-13 and after a loss to the San Francisco 49ers, 38-13 on Sunday. We're not going to talk about the game hardly at all because we got a lot of news this week. Garrett, some good news, I think. For You think good news, right? I think we're all in yeah. agreement. Sure. Um, the Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury on Monday. I think a lot of people expected it. Um, I see on top of that is... Steve Kahn will not be returning as general manager of the Cardinals. Um, we'll get into it uh, with our guest that we have on today, Bo Brack from the PHNX Cardinals podcast. Um, very insightful, smart guy, locked in with the Cardinals. Um, he's in the facility almost every day doing player interviews and things like that. So excited to have him on. Um, he's going to hop on here in about half an hour with us. Um, I'm sure it's going to go good. I think so. We haven't done yeah. it yet, so. I'm going to tell you it was awesome, um, it was, but he's a, he's a good guy. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to him. Um, what what went across your mind right away, Garrett, when we found out that our head coach for 2023 will not be Cliff Kingsbury? Um, I think um, we kind of talked a little bit prior. I was obviously happy. I think everybody was kind of knew it was going to happen um, for the most part, but a little part of me was like sad kind of because we do. I, I think you share the same feeling as well. We like cliff. He's a cool guy. You know, he's, he's not like, uh, he's, I don't know. He's, he's, he's just a cool guy. I mean, he has all the women house and he's professional. He's well on camera. Like he's, he's well on the mic. He's, he, he's a cool guy. Um, and just what I feel like we saw glimpses, glimpses of what his vision was for the offense and, and what his, he wanted the team to look like. And we just never, he never quite got it to where he wanted, I feel. Right. Um, but, you know, you can only let that stuff go for so long, especially you can't, you can't go four and 13 and, you know, with, with the roster that we had given injuries, but with the roster we had um, it's, it's not excusable. Um, but a part of me was sad. Yeah. And that's understandable. This is a guy, I mean, he's been here for four years, you know, he first arrived and you got this 
fresh new face, young guy. He's going to be guy that comes in, saves the offense, and you saw it progress in the first three years. And it there were there were mistakes that you would see. Clock management was never really there, um, but they were progressing. And by the fourth year this year, after playoffs last year, um, it took a hard nosedive. Whether I mean, you could make excuses with injuries, and they were depleted, but. It's in a results league, like you hear everybody say, four four wins after a playoff appearance is hard to swallow, regardless if you just got a five-year contract extension, which I am ecstatic that Michael Bidwell it didn't that didn't have like hinge his decision. Like it didn't matter that he's gonna be out a lot of money. Like it came out that his contract is fully guaranteed for five years. It's not a cheap contract either. It's millions and millions of dollars. And Bidwell said, I'm not going to take the cheap route. I'm going to, I'm going to eat this money. Cause it was my mistake. I was the one that decided to extend both Kingsbury and Kime. I'm going to nip it in the ass now and I'll eat it. And I'll pay a boatload to hopefully Sean Payton, who is now plus 200 in the DraftKings Sportsbook app to be the Cardinals next head coach by far the biggest odds. So that number shooting up. Good to see that. Um, but it was it was time, and yeah, I felt bad too. He was like I said, it was professional. Like so much shit went on. Sean Coogler, the Kyler contract, the collapse. But he still went up there, sat at the podium. He answered all the questions. He handled himself well, and it just didn't work out. Um, there's already reports that the Patriots are interested in him um, for their offensive coordinator position. Uh, the Titans as well. Um, his ties with Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick. Um, I even heard Alabama, which would be interesting if uh, Bill O'Brien leaves there to go be um, an offense coordinator with the Patriots or another NFL team. That would be interesting to see. Alabama is just a – they just take all the all the quote-unquote failed guys, bring them in, they touch them up, clean up their image, and then kick them back out and find another spot. But I think <clears> – <throat> I heard on a podcast he's got so much goddamn money. I don't know if I see him going back to college like – and dealing with all the new and I it's a completely different game now than when he was there in Texas tech a few years ago, a um, lot less control, way more power to the players. So I don't know if a fucking guy like that wants to deal with all that nonsense, but I don't, I don't necessarily feel bad for him because he is, does have a five-year fully guaranteed contract to just kind of gets to hang out with. So I don't feel bad for him. It's more just like a, I don't know. He's one of the coaches. I mean, he was what you said, four or five years. He was four years. Four years we had him. I mean, that's one of the longer coaches we've had, you know, one of the most tenured coaches we've had. So especially in, you know, the past, I mean, four years of immediate Cardinal uh, past, I mean, it's – it's. I don't feel bad for him. It's just more just – it's change and it sucks, but – Well, yeah, you get I, comfortable. And you – I mean, yeah. like, just like with players, you get attached to them. You get attached to guys, and even though he drove you crazy at times, it's like I still remember defending him as hard as I could the last couple of years because I was like, that's our coach, so you might as well deal with it and root him on. And, and uh, yeah, now he's gone. Um, what else did we have? Um, the Yeah, the thing about the tenure uh, and Adam Schefter's report of them uh, firing Cliff, it's like the Cardinals have never had a coach last longer than six seasons and their 100-year career or 100-year history as a franchise, which is pretty insane. The 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 rotating door of coaches 
that come in and out. And I think Cliff was like third or fourth all time in wins in franchise history, which is pretty fucking nuts. Celebrate yeah, a historic, a historic leader of this team. Third all time in wins. Come on, baby. We should be cheering him as he goes out the door. That's pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Um, yeah, that stat was definitely floating around a bunch, which it's a terrible stat. And I, I feel like stuff like that has to get back to Bidwell. Like, has to like get right. to him. Has, like, he has to see shit like that. You know, like it's it's his. That's his business. That's his his livelihood. I mean, it was his dad's business, and you know, he, he doesn't. The last thing he probably wants to do is is fail. Um, so it is very nice to see that he, like you mentioned, will just eat the rest of Cliff's contract that is now, we know, fully guaranteed. Um, it's a step in the right direction. All the Bidwell haters, that hopefully can silence that a little bit just because effort is, which granted, he hasn't hired anybody yet, so he could fucking promote um, uh, Vance Joseph, and that could be terrible and the worst <laughs> thing to happen in the franchise. But he's he's at least showing the, the initiative to try to you know make things better yeah i think the effort's been there the the whole thing about the bidwell regime well they've owned the team their whole history but whole thing about them is that they're cheap and his dad never wanted to spend money but ever since he's kind of taken over new stadium they're they're he's being more aggressive spending more money in free agency you see him making moves like this like it's encouraging i think to say the least and like you said We've got a ways to go. There's moves that we all want to see made. Uh, you don't want to overreact. If it is of Vance Joseph or anybody other than Sean Payton, you, we can't, we got to give the person a chance, but we'll get into all the um, uh, coaching candidates uh, with Bo when he comes on here soon. But yeah, I mean, terrible shitty season. And it ended with Kime and Cliff out the door. Um, I remember last season after playoffs, you were on Cl- Firecliff then. Like, it was like, this is, I mean, it was a terrible collapse. Everybody was feeling it. It was like, it was a terrible feeling because you thought you had a chance to go and win a Super Bowl. And then it all just fell, fell to shit. Um, and I didn't think that it was going to happen then. Obviously, I thought you can't fire a guy after a playoff appearance. But I think at the end of that, the last episode of last season, I said, if he only wins eight games, he's out the door. Like, it, the, the, the standard is now this. You can't drop down below that. He's going to be gone, especially after the collapse. And he didn't even get to half of that. He got four. So I would have been interested to see if they got a couple more wins, if he still would have been fired. But, yeah, four isn't going to get it done. But um, I guess one thing about the game, J.J. Watt's final game, shout out to J.J. Watt, went out as a baller, two sacks in his last game. Then he quoted, like, I know I can still play. I'm just choosing not to. And he showed it all season. He finished with 12 and a half sacks. So shout out to J.J. Watt. Congratulations once again on an incredible career. And I'm sure he'll go be, like, an action movie star now with The Rock or some shit like that. But He'll be the White Rock probably from here on out. Yeah, yeah. Get all those be a good goals. tandem. So um, who do you think had the better career, um, Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt? If, if Aaron Donald were to retire, never retire. Oof. Was JJ's longer? I feel like JJ's was longer for sure. Um, Aaron Donald's first year would have been the year. 2014. 2015. I'm not going to make the call yet. I, 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 I will biasly say JJ Watt, but Aaron Donald's got the Super Bowl ring. So yeah. that might be the tipping point. Um, 
But without diving into the numbers, I can't, I can't give you a definitive answer. But I think the Super Bowl ring, you almost got to go Donald. But that's like you're you're picking hairs there. That's those are two of I said last year, probably two of the greatest defensive players of all time. So it's cool to be yeah. able to watch them both play. Yeah, I'd say they're probably top top fifteen of all time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. They're they might be top. People are probably going to put Donald in the top five. I mean, he got to play in that big market. J.J. Watt in Houston, still a superstar, but I, w- I think he's right around top five, too. They're probably neck and neck there. They're, I think I think we'll step back in 10 years and be like, that well, That was like watching Lawrence Taylor and those guys. Like, it's going to be that that impactful. Um, I think uh, the Niners, at the, I think the Cardinals t- called timeout and let him come off the field and get a standing ovation, which was really cool to see. Um, I'll put that clip in here somewhere, but... <laughs> The jumbotron, and he took it in, in and he, <laughs> even the opposition appreciative of the kind of player in person he has been. Getting a standing ovation here, walking. Yeah, this is nice from this 49er crowd. He he said it's. I'll try not to make it emotional. He said it'll probably hit me, you know, when, when I'm away and I'm supposed to be back out there playing. But there wasn't any doubt in his decision. But this was the time his wife in the stands crying, holding their baby and all that. And then uh, the emotional video that came out today of hard knocks when Vance presented him with the video of all these people telling him congratulations, his brothers, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Dak, Tom Brady, a bunch of different guys and him getting so emotional. It was cool to see. So I'm glad he kind of got to go out, not quite on the sunset with the four and 13 team, but on his own terms, like we said last week and still a pretty Damn good football player. So, congrats to JJ again. Um, yeah, it would have been sad to see the decline, but like you said, he kind of went on his own terms. So we didn't, we didn't have to see that. You know, you never yeah. want to see that. It's always, it's rare for a for a player to to leave on their own terms. You have to be really special to be able to do that. Talent, talented to to do that, and he was one of the few. So. Correct. Um, uh, will obviously DeAndre Hopkins news broke today. Um, we'll get into that with Bo too. Um, lots of things to talk about. Lots of things to talk about. I'm sure it'll all be covered, but, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and cut over to the interview. Garrett, anything else you wanted to say before we do that? I don't think so. Nope. Nothing. All right. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Bo is a very smart, intelligent Cardinals fan, reporter, analysis guy. So enjoy and uh, like, subscribe, download all the episodes, um, and we'll see you next time. Maybe the next episode is is the coach hiring episode. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be more news, and and we'll be right here with y'all. So until next time, go birds. We are now excited to welcome on a guy who was at the Cardinals facility yesterday uh, interviewing players before the cliff news broke. Um, was also present at the Michael Bidwell press conference later on that afternoon. Uh, co-host of the PHNX Cardinals podcast, Bo Brack. Clap it up for Bo Brack, Garrett. Thanks for being here, Bo. How are you, man? I'm doing great, guys. How's it going? I mean, there's uh, there's something in the air right now, isn't it? Aren't we excited about it? We're excited we about the – are we feeling hopeful yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the name of like, you, of course you have the emotions of, oh, we lost a coach. It's been here for four years, but I think all of us agree that it was time to move yeah. on. 
but we'll get into all that. Uh, my first question, not Cardinals based at all. Did you play high school football? No, I didn't. No. What? What a waste. <laughs> Bo Brack is like the prototypical <laughs> high school quarterback, varsity, like Letterman quarterback name. Bo Brack. You can just pick it in your head. I was a How baseball you let that player. Go to waste? I was okay, a baseball same. player. And then, you know, I got into radio. So I tried to I I I tried to maximize and take advantage of it. But <laughs> uh I mean I, I did break my I had a I broke my leg playing football with my friends in the snow. I grew up on the East Coast in, in DC, so we had a snow day. I was excited because before I was just lighting up the scoreboard and felt like Barry Sanders out there. Uh, and then I, I broke my leg pretty, pretty badly freshman year. Uh, so it was, uh, it was not in the cards for me, but I, I grew up a baseball fiend and then slowly became just completely overwhelmed and, and just, and def- just love football. It's kind of the same with me. I played baseball throughout high school. I played football a couple years, but it wasn't until. I was always like a stat, like geek or whatever. Not yeah. a great player. Garrett was a better player than I was. <laughs> All conference. You can brag a second if you want to. Damn. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was pretty much the best. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, football kind of took over. But uh, like I said, we're happy to have you here. Um, we touched on it for a second, but Christmas came late for a lot of Cardinals fans. Mm. Um, the news was kind of expected for the majority of us. Um, but just kind of a broad question after the dust settles, what are like your, your thoughts on the, the Cliff Kingsbury firing in general yeah. and kind of the tenure uh, in totality? Yeah, I thought that uh, the tenure was one that early on you couldn't deny, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was, was taking this team, you know, it was progressing this team right from 2018 when it pretty much bottomed out. And that was you know, you you thought you couldn't get any worse than that. He took over the reins, and it was kind of an experiment, right? You're taking a failed college coach, a guy with more just an offensive background, couldn't really succeed at Texas Tech, even with some solid quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, and you paired him with kind of a non-traditional, saying it nicely about Kyler Murray's size uh, and skill set uh, quarterback, and you paired him with that top pick, and, you know, you go from three to five to eight, to 11 wins and a playoff appearance and progress is progress. And that's what it was viewed like from this organization, despite, you know, all the skepticism, the red flags that went with that playoff appearance last year and how they finished. Uh, and then you kind of had the inexplicable, you know, contract extension for Cliff and Kime. And I think that kind of riled up this fan base saying, what are we doing? Is, is the leadership at the top? Are they, are they going to make the right decisions going forward? Because it feels like you just locked yourself into something that we you, you should have just u- utilized this final year for. And, you know, from the very get-go, as far as this offseason, this previous offseason went, I mean, those extensions, the Kyler Murray contract saga, we'll call it, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate passing of Jeff Gladney. You had uh, Rodney Hudson try to retire. Justin Pugh tried to retire, and they wooed both of those guys back. You had Hollywood Brown go 126 on the 101, going to training camp. And, and you know, a couple coaches were fired in between, and then the results on the field were just brutal. So I think it was pretty much undeniable, and especially as far as how he finished seasons over the 10 years. This is not just a sample size for Cliff Kingsbury from Texas Tech year one to this year. You know, Cliff Kingsbury just couldn't win at the end of the game, in the seasons. And, and to have one win in a calendar year, you, you just can't sell that to your fan base. So, and for Kyler Murray, somebody you locked into a contract. 
$230.5 million with 160 plus in guarantees, you know, he took a step back. There were so many things that were pointing to change. And I think the, the, the ceiling for Cliff Kingsbury, despite what he was able to do for through three years where he kind of built on each year, uh, is, is mediocrity. And you're glad that the owner, Michael Bidwell, despite locking in through 2027, with Kingsbury and Kime wasn't willing to settle for a ceiling of mediocrity. He's a guy that has preached that he wants to win. And I think that he kind of sent that message on Monday that, you know, he's not going to stand for that. He's going to look for somebody who can take this team and Kyler Murray to the next level. Yeah. We had kind of touched on that at uh, the pre-recording before we got into the interview of that, like how encouraging that just was that, Bidwell mm-hmm. didn't go cheap this time. He didn't he didn't hold back. He decided to eat the money. And that was that yeah. in itself, regardless of whatever the next move is, even if it is something as disappointing as promoting a Vance Joseph or things like that or, or an unproven commodity, that in itself was uh an encouraging sign going forward uh as we mm-hmm. proceed into the offseason. So um no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, but as you said, uh, four years here, obviously some some ups and downs. You you noted the progression and wins each year coming to a screeching halt this year with four wins. Um, but how much, um, if any, um, was the Kyler Cliff tension mm-hmm. boiling over? Like how much of those reports were kind of real? And did that lead at all to the failure of of this season and then ultimately his fi- his firing this week? Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't buy into that this relationship was ruined or you know that they couldn't get along. I thought you know almost their working relationship was too comfortable, right? I, yeah. I think that it kind of didn't hold Kyler Murray is accountable and just this the style of of player that he is. Uh, he, he's not like the Russell Wilsons of the world. He's not a guy that's just going to be self motivated to go. And, and take those, take those steps to, to kind of better himself. I think he needs somebody to press him a little bit. And, and hopefully the new coach, next coach will do that because I think there was a comfort level. Uh, there was more of a friendship, uh, than kind of a working relationship there. I, but I, I never bought into something beyond. I mean, there was the report from Josh Weinfuss and ESPN, uh, that he collaborated on with Jeremy Fowler where, you know, they said Cam Turner was kind of the, the liaison between the two of them. And, you know, I'm sure that's partly true, but as far as kind of like the true context of it, I mean, the, the team was playing like crap all season long. Kyler wasn't playing great. Uh, Cliff wasn't calling a great game. He wasn't taking the offensive pieces that they were trying to incorporate without DeAndre Hopkins or with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, correctly. And it, the, the frustrations of losing boiled over. Um, but as far as their working relationship and their ability to kind of maybe take this thing to the next step, I think kind of a long answer to it. Like it, there, there was no ability to do that, but it wasn't because they hated each other. I didn't get that sense yeah. at all. Too much, too much coddling in a way. And you've heard, sure. I mean, obviously the Patrick Peterson thing that blew up and there was kind of rumblings about how Larry Fitzgerald felt about the situation um mm-hmm. but do you get did you ever get the sense that the way that cliff handled kyler coming in as the number one overall pick just here's the keys to the castle this is your show mm-hmm. do you think that there is any truth to that kind of rubbing some of the veterans on the team the wrong way 
Um, I mean, it's it's kind of new school versus old school. Right. I think that's just that coaching style. But I, I actually haven't heard too much uh, as far as you know Cliff rubbing you know the likes of, of P two or uh, fits the wrong way. I mean, obviously, it's just like a a boss employee relationship where they would probably do it differently. Uh, but they probably, you know, understanding the, the importance of that position, right. And coming off of a, a swing and a miss like Josh Rosen and not having any plan in place at the quarterback position, it, it was just Cliff's style and it was yeah. probably to a fault, but that's just how, he, how he rolls. And that's why people, why players really like him, but uh, it's probably also a reason why when things go South, you know, it's tough to find, uh, any kind of like any way out by the style he the way he coaches right yeah and that all makes a lot of sense um so when we start to look for the next guy um like mm-hmm. i said you kudos to you you were in the press conference yesterday you had the <laughs> cojones to ask bidwell directly hey have you guys reached out to the saints about sean right <laughs> I'm not going to get into details of uh, any of the candidates we're, we're reaching out to. So he had a good poker. Don't face give me that it. much credit. I, I mean, also <laughs> ignorance, right? Or it's, it's almost like, it's like, I, Hey, I'm asking a question. I'm burning a question that I basically know the answer answer to. Exactly. It was almost rhetorical. It's just like, yeah. cause I even prefaced it. It was like, if you can even comment and, but he had that wry smile. And I think yeah. our body language experts out there, you know, he was. Oh, we're was all going to read into it. That's for You're sure. Right, Any exactly. little smirk, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. Just, I was just dumb enough to ask it while other people were asking the important questions. <laughs> that's the. But that's the thing. Those are the. If you would ask about uniforms too, then you're king. Those are the two things that. <laughs> Leave that, that up to my co-host, Johnny about. Venerable. He probably would have done it. He absolutely would have done yeah, it. I've been pounding but, the table, I mean, uniforms for years, but. God, I hope so. I hope that's part of this whole off season. That'd be. That'd be incredible. Yeah, we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> you guys kind of did something like this on PHNX probably a couple mm-hmm. months ago. So you're pretty ahead of the curve. But I want you to give me three candidates. Obviously, one pipe dream that might be a little far-fetched. <clears throat> one that we just mentioned. Um, yeah. Maybe one other than Sean Payton. But um, And then one kind of middle of the tier, more realistic, that can kind of get the fans excited. And then mm-hmm. one that might not bring as much excitement to the fan base. Obviously, um, it could work out, but fans, media, we're all reactionary. We want it now. Yeah. And if it's not what we want in the moment, then then tempers could flare. But three candidates, one in each category. What you sure, got? yeah. I think that there are a couple tiers here. There's like the proven commodities out there. I think right. that there's the top two guys, and that's like that's that's Sean Payton, that's Jim Harbaugh. And and I, for whatever reason, I, I don't understand the criticism or – skepticism when it comes to Harbaugh. I mean, he was so successful in San Francisco four out of the five years. They were in the NFC championship game. Uh, he was what he did. He did with Smith, uh, you know, Alex Smith, who was almost, he was being called a bust in San Francisco right. until he got there. And then what he's able to do with the second rounder and Colin Kaepernick, and he, he was able to put him in a position to quarterback a team to the Super Bowl. I uh, kind of forgot that, that he had them in, Three straight NFC Championship games. Unreal. Like, yeah. We've, we've if it talked wasn't about for the how, Seahawks. Right. We talked about how jealous. I mean, it's kind of a hate but respect type thing. We are of the of the Niners. Yeah. Just in the past decade, the just like the culture, the mentality, and, and it. Mm-hmm. And luckily for them, from Harbaugh, there was a couple stopgaps coaches, but it's kind of continued on of 
we're going to run the ball. We're going to be tough up front and we're going to dominate you physically. And that's something right. that we haven't seen with the Cardinals in forever. So, well, at least 2015. So for Harbaugh to bring something like that from Michigan and what he did in San Francisco, even back to Stanford, like yeah. I, that, that's arguably my one, one A for sure. For sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, so I think, you know, you've got, you know, Peyton, what he did in 16 seasons in New Orleans and turning things around in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that's obviously my top pick. Uh, and, you know, uh, Harbaugh, I think it's probably more realistically, more realistic. He takes that Walmart money and, and you know, right. probably lifetime supply of their khakis and, and, <laughs> and milk. So he's, he's probably more fit for Denver and wanting to kind of take part on the Russell Wilson reclam- reclamation project. Uh, but so I've got Peyton one. And if, if, if that doesn't, that's against the rules. I can't remember what, we'll they were, what the criteria was. Uh, you, you look at the next tier and it's, it's the coordinator crop, right? It's the rising stars. And I'm, I'm having a tough time differentiating between the offensive guys. I like Steichen, St. Shane Steichen from Philly. He helped with Herbert in LA before moving on to Philadelphia, a real simple offense that I think would be easy for Kyler Murray to kind of duplicate here. We saw it firsthand when Philly was in town and beat the Arizona Cardinals because Matt Amendola couldn't even come close on that kick. Um, so like Ben Johnson, Steichen, and then you got, uh, Kellen Moore mixed in there. So those guys are all like, I can't figure out who, who's going to be the top guy. I like D'Amico Ryans. I think I would love to stack the San Francisco contingent. Like if you can, if you can kind of, uh, steal from San Francisco and get the GM, coach just duo that's a good place to steal from right just because what we talked about what i just said uh, yeah exactly you know you you want what they have and the best way to do it is is maybe kind of take from them and you know they're already going to interview interview two of their execs player personnel guy assistant gm types uh and uh you know i think what D'Amico ryan brings to the table it was because there's so many question marks as far as was he going to translate that quickly from the playing field to DC and kind of filling the shoes of Robert Sala, who's so successful. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that's going to be hard nosed. He's going to know what to do, not only with Kyler Murray from, you know, trying to just coach him up. He'll, you know, obviously you want to pair him with a great court offensive coordinator, but the two other first rounders you have on this roster and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, I think, you know, what D'Amico Ryan could play, could do with those two guys, with that athletic ability would be unbelievable for this defense that they really haven't invested many dollars into. And it's kind of, you get in the facelift with JJ Watt moving on. And then like you look at the the third guy, I mean, I'll probably take in one of those offensive guys before I take one of the retread categories, like uh, Frank Reich. I just don't, it does nothing for me. You know, um, if he's the OC with D'Amico Ryans, I, I might sign up for that, but uh, I'll probably look at, probably say Shane Steichen from from Philly as my, as my three yeah. guy but I think he's interchangeable with Ben Johnson Kellen Moore um right. Mike Kafka. Dorsey kind of in the mix exactly. a little bit too yep. Yep. yeah yeah I think we're lockstep there and one two and three yep. with with Peyton Harbaugh Ryan so those are those are three that I've had my on my eye on for some time a little bit but you could th- you could push back a little bit on Ryan's with what you said a younger type guy not mm-hmm. a, as as much experience and then also the fact that that defense is fucking loaded with talent yeah. everywhere. So sure. you could be a little watered down. Uh, that would be mm-hmm. my only worry. But you kind of just – you look at him almost the way that 
the way he carries himself is a little similar to Salah, even and and the way he turned the Jets around. Not a lot of talent. They they picked it mm-hmm. up in the last couple of years, but that was kind of a quick turnaround and going what they went eight games, seven games, and with yeah, the Jets with no quarterback that's play. That's a yeah. feat. So, so yeah. yeah, and like you know, you look at those two teams, those two defenses. You got Quinn Williams, who's an ass kicker in in New York, and then in in the front seven as far as what they have in San Francisco, including. You know, on the edges with Bosa, you know, you could with with the third overall pick in the draft, you can certainly kind of replicate that with a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter. Yeah, and that's that's a show for another day, I'm sure. With <laughs> the whole draft combine, we got a long time to talk about all that. Sure, um, but uh, Steve Kime, you mentioned a little bit of the executives that that were kind of being thrown around, but Steve Kime also not being brought back. He's stepping away um, after there were some weird reports that he was going to be kept in some capacity, which never made a lot of sense to me. It seemed mm-hmm. kind of like something that Bidwell maybe put out there to to soften like the firing, make it not look as bad on Kimes part, being as well, how resigned. close they are, but resigned. He's, correct. He stepped yeah, away he on did. his own. It was officially, he, he said a couple times and made a point to, yeah. he resigned and he accepted his resignation. And, uh, you know, that sounds like to me, when we talk about all this money locked up in extensions, you resign, you know, you're walking away. It's not correct. It's not like Cliff Kingsbury where Kingsbury is right now going to get every dime until he takes another job of that guaranteed contract extension. So no, it doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a completely different story with Kime, which, you know, I, I think odd. fans. Yeah, it is. is like, yeah, it is really odd. And, and, you know, that the oddness of it, I think peaked a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when when a college football reporter started trying to connect some dots and stuff like that, which I don't think it'd be responsible for us to get into, but like, Correct. it's just it's unreal. It's unreal what's been going on, and it's it's gone on for far too long, really. Just with with that with him in that position, and and where you haven't gotten the the best effort, right, or, or the, the best picks. Obviously, I mean the draft record is brutal. The hit rate, especially in the first round, hasn't been there. So Miserable. I think that 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 kind of got lost in the celebrating of the changing of the head coach. But, you know, it, it kind of br- brings back more energy and excitement to draft season that I think this fan base had lost after another draft where, you know, Trey McBride was in active game one. We barely saw the rookie third rounder uh, pass rushers for the first half of the season and still not enough at the la- the second half of the season. So, I think that's that's going to reinvigorate a, a fan base that, which is one of my favorite times is draft season. You know, scouting prospects and you know doing mock drafts, and then yeah. once the drafts are due, grading them out and looking at these prospect players and seeing how they project, and then you just don't get a chance because they don't get a chance come <laughs> the regular season. Yeah, well, that's definitely something Cardinals fans have come accustomed to. It's like. Well, it's it's late December. I guess we can pull out the the draft mock draft simulator here and get going. Maybe just <laughs> right. see what we can do. Um, but that oh my, the Trey McBride being inactive week one, I think, was one of my biggest rants that I had on the show. That infuriated me. I get him yeah. on the field in some capacity, cover kickoffs, do something, let him get a field for what that speed is like on an NFL field. So yeah, we won't get too deep into that. But that one was the way that even that's the other thing about Vance too. The way that they've just sheltered some of these young, talented guys mm-hmm. and not got them on the field in right. some way, shape, or form. And by the time they do, it's too late. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's the case against him as an internal candidate. You know, you can't really point to, 
you know, the guys that he's, he's developed and got, you know, you've got two, you gave him two first round linebackers and what can you really say for him? I mean, they, right. they can play like they've played, they get an attendance record as far as, you know, Isaiah Simmons this year, that was, that was brutal. That was another point of frustration. He, borderline he was barely playing almost at yeah. that, at the yeah. early part of the season. So, mm-hmm. and that's, that guy's too talented to be put ever put in a conversation like that. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of, of the next GM, um, it's something that's been talked about a lot, uh, internal versus external. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, between the two? And, uh, I, and the, I, I, is anything ever, I, I don't know how unique that would be if, if it's a Quentin Harris, a dub tandem as a GM. Mm-hmm. Like, is yeah. that something that's even, is that a rare thing in the NFL? Like, I, yeah, no I, doubt about it. Yeah, there isn't there isn't much where it's you know definitive or defined roles where you've got a GM and an assistant GM and it just seems like they were they were just placeholders they were getting the, kind of their shot at this obviously they've already interviewed for the spot um, they had the interim tag and they were just kind of moving the chains as they got to the end of the regular season um, it would be pretty surprising to see either one of them kind of come away with, with, with the, the, the spot, the GM spot, but they'd be great to kind of keep within the organization, keep some continuity in that front office, that scouting department. But if they're not, you know, Harris is already lined up to talk with uh, Tennessee, I believe. And Adrian Wilson, you know, was tied to the Jags job last year. So um, they're, they're not going to be looking for work for very long if, if they bring in somebody else. But ex- I think you, they haven't had a, a external GM since 1994. So it's time for some fresh eyes on this thing. Yeah. I think we we've talked and we both agreed about that. So the thing that we talked about with Adrian Wilson too, we brought it up a couple of weeks ago, like the fact that if he would to go in and not succeed, like the reaction of fans, like a, like a beloved player like that, that's in the <laughs> ring of honor. That's got sure. all like he's, he's, yesteryear's Buddha Baker. Like that was, that mm-hmm. was our Buddha back then when we were kids, but like to see him, if he were to go in and fail, like I couldn't go on Twitter and log in and say a bad <laughs> word about him. Like, I don't want to no. hear all the, all the, the negativity going his way. Like I yeah. want to shield him from that. I don't want him to have to go through that. So let him go, let him go to Jacksonville if he has to sure. or wherever else and get the job somewhere else. I don't want a John Elway situation or something like that right. where, where he, he where people want his head on a stake. Yeah, probably saves uh just kind of keeps him out of the criticism and if if you let him go be successful elsewhere, I mean, that conversation's easier than man, great player but shitty GM. So in terms of which hire comes first between GM or head coach, does that have any precedence at all at all? Does it really matter? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Bidwell kind of stressed that he wanted the GM first, kind of set that because because you know there there is speculation that he's a guy that likes to meddle a little bit and, and maybe uh, make some decisions of his own as far as the football operations and kind of debunk that a little bit. I think he wants to get a GM in place and then make the decision and, and kind of work in concert uh, with the new GM as far as hiring the, the GM. But the fear is right when you have a coach like. Uh, Sean Payton available that if you make the wrong choice at GM, is that going to turn him off right. from this franchise? Or if you lose that, that kind of ace up your sleeve against the other teams uh, where you can give him all the power he wants. Um, I think that's the fear there, but you know, 
there's ways that you can communicate, I'm sure, get the insight as far as what Peyton wants between now and when he can interview with NFL teams a week from today, next week. So um, he's not going to, I don't think he's ignorant to that, to where if, if it's going to sink the deal potentially with Sean Payton, that he's going to, he's going to pull the trigger on that. So, but seems like he wants to do GM first and then head coach. And I don't see any issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because there was a little bit of talk about that. And I was, whenever that was the first thing that came to my mind was Sean Payton, whenever he said mm-hmm. that he wanted to go GM first. So, Thought I'd ask you about it, but um, should be a very interesting offseason. We just talked about the new GM, the new coach. There's surely going to be a lot of roster turnover, new, uh, fresh faces as well. Um, Jordan Schultz uh, reported today that uh, the Cardinals will intend to trade DeAndre Hopkins this offseason, or at least look Mm -hmm. into it. Um, Reportedly, Bidwell has already told GM candidates in interviews that that may be uh, in their plans for next year. how do you feel about that? Um, on like, ex- like explain it to me how it makes sense to move off of Hopkins, who's in his prime, um, and then on top of that, you'll have this this dead cap money that'll come from right. him as well. And I know there's a way to manipulate it, and I'm sure you'll yeah. explain it. But no, I mean, I, I think that this seem it's probably more mutual than this report is is kind of displaying it, right? I mean. Hop probably wasn't happy playing for a four and thirteen team, or for as long as he he obviously missed the first six games of the season uh, due to the PED suspension. That you know, I, all of us probably agree is BS, considering the minimal traces were found right. and an unknown substance. So, um, at thirty one years old, thirty million dollar cap hit next season. Cardinals won't really be cap strung. So, you know, as far as cap space, you know, what are you going to free it up for? Do you want to be a player from the big free agents this season? Probably, probably not. Right. I mean, as far as, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, it just seems like it would be mutually beneficial for there to be a parting of ways. Right. And and you can do that. You could you could do it through a trade, you know, post June 1st. Um where it would kind of ease the sting of a cap hit to where if they did it now, there'd be $22 million in dead money. If you do it post June 1st, you can spread it over 2023 and 2024, uh, cut it in half, and you would save about close to $20 million in, in cap space uh, this season, which is is appealing when you're trying to rebuild and probably bring in a new coach's guys. So, you know, I think D-Hop, there was reports that he was going to request a trade anyway, so for this to kind of paint it as Bidwell wants to do it, that's a, a bit strange to me. If it far bit far fetched, but is, is he kind of eating that one for his star player? You know, Bidwell's even for, with Patrick Peterson when he requested a trade in 2018, he had he had he sat down and talked with P2 back in the day. So I wouldn't be shocked if there was some sort of uh, conversation between Bidwell and, and D Hop, and D Hop's like, "Hey, I, I see what's coming. You see what's coming. You know, I want to win." I don't like JJ Watt said on Hard Knocks. You know your window is not long in this league to, in order to make that money and 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 compete for championships. And I'm I'm sure he's he's probably willing to waive his no trade clause, and that's an important part of this. Uh, or in or even restructure things to even ease it up the cap hit dead money even more so. Uh, but that's uh I, I think that there is something in, in Cards fans last year probably wouldn't have been on board, but after seeing this roster. Uh, just not compete with him without him and with him um, because they were just saying, Hey, just wait, get, get through the six games. 
in the first game back was a little, <laughs> we got we had some fun against the Saints, but after that, it wasn't fun at all. So you can see like, okay, it, that's not the missing piece. There's more to it. They, they need to, they need to get more assets. They need to, they need to uh, rebuild this thing. And, and at the same time, I mean, so many fans were in, and I don't buy completely into this, you know, wanting to see Fitz go elsewhere and run a ship. I mean, you get the opportunity with a guy like Hops, Hop to do the right thing and, and let him go compete probably in his final year, maybe two max. So you got some pretty solid years from, from DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And it, likely he'll go to one of those contenders. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, a first-round pick is going to be likely in the late late 20s, mid-20s maybe. Is a second round pick that far back in the draft? Is I just, I, I think you? first. Like, what do you think? I think a first here? is at thirty one. I think it's a little bit uh, rich. Um, I mean, you saw what four wide receivers last year go for first, but they were all yeah. in their twenties. And the oldest right. guy was Devonte Adams, and he was a monster again this year. And he's twenty nine. Got Tyree Kill. He's twenty eight. You have uh, you know AJ Brown, who's twenty four, and you've got Hollywood, who's twenty five. Um, it'd be tough to net a, a first rounder. So, uh, you know, do you get what you, you paid for him a second round pick? I think you certainly take that or, or a third rounder, but if you get to like fourth round, fifth round, uh, you're like, okay, maybe, it, maybe it's just worth keeping him and, or sitting on him until the trade deadline, just, just find something that, that makes sense for the organization to create ax assets and, and cap space and, and it hopefully expedite this rebuild because that's what it is at this point. It's like, if if you you've got talent on your roster, obviously, but this roster didn't contend, couldn't compete. So you've got to trade it. You got to take some of those those talented players and, and turn them into assets and expedite yeah. this thing. So he gives you that ability, and it seems like he's willing to do so with a no trade clause. Yeah. In Jacksonville, I think some somebody said Jacksonville. Jacksonville and L.A. Chargers were the two names yeah. that I mean I didn't know if it was from a accredited type report, but those were the two names. Actually, I think it was. I think that's what they said. It was sports radio. Yeah, it was a gamble that said that. I think Somebody so, was in actually. our chat saying that today, and those those make sense. I mean, right. how harmless Trevor would it Lawrence be? Herbert. Yeah, send them down there. Christian Kirk can thrive again. You know who's thriving down there? DeAndre Hopkins can go down there. No problem with that. I don't think Cards fans right. have a problem with that. No, I don't feel like it's going to bite you in the sight, ass. You know? mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you said something about getting what you paid for him. I mean, we got to get something at the at the level of David Johnson, then some kind of middle <laughs> right. pack running back, aging running back. I, that's got to be a part of the deal, I would think. But yeah, a, a, I I don't know. Do they have a couple? I'm sure they they could sign one and just just send it on sure. away. It's probably fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, aside from Hopkins, then any you anticipate any other surprise veterans that that we, possibly wouldn't be on the roster in 2023? We were talking about that a little bit and like you could see because with with new GMs and new coaches uh you know some if they're if these these aren't their players you know so uh if they think they they don't necessarily believe in what the previous regime saw uh and they feel like they can another team would view them as valuable um like guys like I think Isaiah Simmons or Zayvon Collins could could become those guys, Rondell Moore, I don't think has much value right now. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not much, there's not much more to maybe it. I don't Humphreys think it, maybe if, if you want to move. That, yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Um, Jones might be, he's going into his final year and somebody might roll the dice. If, if they want to bring back Kelvin Beecham, um, right. I don't, I don't know who's in the building any longer that, that would kind of vie for Beach right now, even though he probably deserves a look, but, um, 
yeah, I, I think right now the Arizona Cardinals are in, in a unique situation to where uh, everything you can make a case for it, right? I mean, and yeah. nobody is uh, is safe and, and nobody's – I think everybody's expendable at this point. And that's like not an indictment on these guys. It's just the reality after 4-13. and 13, Probably the guys who are untouchable are like Buda Baker, right? And then um, – and, and Kyler, right? I think outside of that. And I wouldn't even be shocked if, if, if they started throwing Kyler around. Well, let's but not go down the quarterback. This complicates road. things, yeah. right? Let's just, yeah, that three overall pick. Who knows yeah. who's going to be sitting there? You know, right? That's a story for another day. Um, we'll close on this. If there is a silver lining going forward with the organization, obviously, coach gone. You got some, yeah. maybe some optimism with a new coach. What is it that fans can look forward to 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 make us think that this can be a quick turnaround? Uh, I mean, you, you've got a few good problems to have, right? You, you've got some some of the best head coaching candidates available in some time. You've only got, as of right now, five teams that th- that have vacancies uh, and, and the Cardinals with a, a lot of things that would be appealing to those candidates. So I think as far as we talk about top three, I think when you, you don't really have to go much further down the list as far as top three coaching candidates – if you get do get further down that list, you know you got to hit the panic button. But I don't think they will. So you're going to get a pretty solid head coaching choice. Uh, I think that that's going to come with a solid GM choice. And then uh, you know the third third overall pick. We're talking about Will Anderson. We're talking about Jalen Carter. We're talking about you know a debate that's a good debate to have, a good problem to have. And after a four and thirteen season where it was just an off season worth in, in full season worth of dysfunction. Finally, to have good problems in the wake of that, it's 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 good for Cardinals fans. Uh, but with that, you know, you need the decision makers that are put in place to make the right ones. So uh, it's it's exciting. It's it's not a I wouldn't say blank canvas, but it's it's it, they did hit the reset button, and you can move forward with some some talented pieces. The cupboard's not bare like 2018, so there is a little bit more excitement than that. Right, right. It's definitely, yeah, you don't have it that much. I mean, our success wasn't too far away. You're just looking at two years ago, you're in the playoffs. So, right. Okay. Well, Bo, we appreciate your time, my friend. Um, We knocked Johnny off the list last year. He came on. That was early on. I don't know if – I hope he likes us. I don't know. I thought it went pretty (laughs) good. Um, Now we got you. You got to put in a word to Frank for us. Uh, He's got to be – You want to have Frank Sanders on? Uh, He followed me on Twitter the other day. I was like, oh, all right. We're going to make this happen. We're going to make it happen. Slide in those DMs. So whenever he's like, uh, who is this guy? You guys just went on their show. Did they suck? Just You don't have to lie. Give him an honest answer. But that's the next on the list for us. So. Only if you ask him about his Cliff Kingsbury tattoo. Well, I'm putting a good <laughs> that was definitely going to be a question. That's going to be a question <laughs> for sure if he agrees to. But this was awesome. We do appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. I love it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Take care, guys. Garrett, take care, man. Yeah, you too.